Welcome to the Campus Experience with Josh Farr. This podcast explores the fascinating world of student leadership with a focus on clubs and societies, as well as ambassadorial, entrepreneurial, and leadership programs. I'm your host, Josh. This audio experience also documents my journey building Campus Consultancy. With unprecedented demand for our first-of-its-kind program, I'll show you how I'm realising the potential of connected and empowered student communities by building Australia's most recognised entrepreneurial leadership program. Thank you for joining and enjoy. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Campus Experience, James Martin, Managing Director at Insider Guides. With more than 11 years of experience in the international education space, James has been instrumental in helping more than 70% of international students who arrive in Australia feel more prepared, more welcome, and more connected. James also started the Victorian and South Australian chapters of the International Education Young Professionals Group. It is my pleasure today to have the opportunity to speak with you, James, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. James, I wanted to start with a little bit of background about you. Where did you grow up and why is education something that's so important to you? Uh, yeah, well, thanks. I, I grew up in, uh, I guess, in Canberra and Adelaide and uh, and I had a, I went to university in Adelaide at the at UniSA. Uh, I had a student experience uh, overseas in Bordeaux in, in, in France and um, I guess I got to experience firsthand what it was like to be an international student in a different country and all the challenges that, got, that come along with that. And uh, yeah, I, I guess from there, I, I, I sort of stepped into the realm of entrepreneurship and started my business from there. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Very cool. So take me back to when you first went overseas. How did your parents feel about you going overseas? What was it like to jump on the plane and jet off to another country and settle in? I mean, did you, did you speak French? Uh, not really, no. My, um, I had had some experience living in France before. I lived there when I was a kid for a few months. Uh, my dad used to work for the UN, so I lived in Paris for six months when I was about eight years old. Um, but none since then, so I've forgotten all my French. So um, they were really keen for me to go back. I had a feeling that uh, this was an important experience. Uh, I didn't know really why. I just had this deep feeling that going overseas during university is something that you really should do or you should strive to do. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, my, my gut feeling proved to be correct. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, parents were really supportive. And um, yeah, I was quite surprised at the level of support that the, the government gives you like a, like a hex loan and the university gives you a bit of a, a boost as well. And I think I was on youth allowance at the time. So all these barriers, were just sort of removed and I thought well why not let's do this that's amazing it's fun. it's actually funny you say that when I was eight years old as well my mom is a teacher and she took us over to Canada for a year and so I had that experience of oh, we actually were there for a whole year so I got to go to school in another country and we didn't have to wear a uniform and all that fun sort of stuff and we had snow days used to take <laughs> ice skates to school and then when I left university my first international trip was back to live in Canada so I wonder if there's something there about, I mean, of all the places you could have chosen, why do you, <laughs> you think it was, I mean, obviously it's probably not coincidence, but what do you think drew you back? Look, I love the culture. I love the French culture. I think there's a real zest for, for life uh, there. Um, 
and there's a sense of creativity and passion in the in the in the people and they um they really value the arts they value good food they really value um yeah i don't know i just i got i got a sense that that really suited my personality but yeah perhaps you're right maybe the, those initial years that uh, the initial six months there sort of set me up for a i don't know a biased view <laughs> <laughs> when you got back did it feel the same as before you left did you feel like you'd you know, did you find yourself? Did you learn anything um, that was different or unexpected? What did you bring back with you? Uh, well, I remember it, I, I found it quite hard to relate to the friends uh, that I had, you know, six months earlier. Um, I felt like I had had a million conversations with people from all over the world who had also come to, to Bordeaux to, to study. And so every night and every day that you were, you were having hundreds of different conversations with all these different people and, and you were sort of, I guess every day, it's sort of this experience sort of leaves its mark on you and you're, you're always growing and expanding your worldview. And I don't, I really, I'm like really cautious about coming across as really sort of snobbish and arrogant when I say that, but it, it really does uh, give you a, a wider perspective of the world when you're forced to interact with so many different people from around the world at once. So when, yeah, when you come home, you, you just feel a bit different. You feel like you've, you don't relate to, to your friends as much. Um, you feel like you've had a unique experience and, and, when, and you want to share it with the world, but, but not everyone wants to listen. Um, and that's what I, I felt uh, straight away. Um, and yeah, I just had this energy about doing something cool uh, that wasn't there before. And um, yeah, that sort of led me into that ne next chapter. And how did that manifest? Like you have all this energy inside you, you want to do something cool. Where did you channel it? Well, um, I was in the middle of a degree doing uh, marketing management and international studies at UniSA. And I, uh, I start, well, I had, a, I had this idea before I left, but I was only sort of playing around with it. But when I came back, I just noticed a lot of international students who had come to Adelaide, who really had no idea about life in Adelaide. They, they sort of, were given a whole bunch of information that was very survival based about um, mm. how to how to call triple O and how to not get ripped off and things like that, which is all very <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Australia. Here's what to do if everything goes horribly wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, well, and I was also working in a bar, um, and and I noticed that it was a really crap bar. I won't I won't tell you the exact name of it, but it was a really <laughs> bad sort of pokies and and things like that. Um, and I just noticed a lot of international students were coming in. I just couldn't believe that's where they chose to go. I was like, this city is full of interesting bars. Why'd you come here? And I actually asked a few of them and they were like, well, we don't, we don't know. No one, no one told us what was good about the city. And then it made me, it, I just realized then that these students are not tourists. They're students, they're here to live. They're not here to just pass through. They're here to live for a few years. And I thought, well, what they really need is a free resource that they can, that is written by local students that they can absorb upon arrival and use it as a bit of a guide to settle in. Um, and it didn't exist. And uh, yeah, that's the, that was the sort of the first seed, I guess, of that idea. And, um, and I just went full on with it. I, uh, I, I just tried to um, find people around me who shared that vision. I did a ton of research. I talked to accountants and lawyers and everyone to try and work out how to put these pieces together because I've never started a business before. Um, I just started thrashing around uh, which is the, what you're meant to do as an entrepreneur when you first start is just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And I guess that's what I did for that first year. 
I love the term to thrash around as an entrepreneur. And I think if you, when you end up writing an autobiography, it should definitely be called thrashing around as an entrepreneur. <laughs> no, it's too true. It's un- ugh, just the amount of wasted time. But, you know, I guess it wasn't wasted in hindsight. Yeah. And I think the way you phrase that's really interesting and something I'm very cautious of as we share stories of Australian founders and Australian leaders and all the great things they've done is to not skip over some of the hard stuff at the start. So there's all these students in your bar and you're like, I'm in a kind of crappy bar. Why are you here? And you start to unintentionally, maybe you're you're really doing customer interviews, aren't you? You're sitting there and you're learning about their context and their problems and their ambitions. What's the first step? Like, where do you, you've got all this, okay, you guys don't know necessarily where to go. Maybe it'd be great if there was a resource, but there's not. How did you start? Well, I think that really comes down to the situation you're in as well, because I knew that this guide should exist. But for most people, when they have these ideas, it just remains an idea. And uh, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, these sort of bubbles pass through um, and they float away. Whereas I was lucky enough to, to have a next door neighbor who had just started like an aged care guide so people could work out. Uh, where to send their loved ones and what to look out for and things like that. So I, he knew how to start a guide. So I just went and sat down with him and um, yeah, and, and he showed me, okay, this is what you need. You need to, um, you, you need to, you need to convince advertisers that this business is going to work. So what I ended up doing was I went to a printer and told them that um, I would like them to print 50 copies of my guide for free. Um, it's a, I wanted it to be a six, just a six-page sample guide. I wanted them to print it for free. They said, "Why should I do that?" I said, "Well, if you do this and I use it to sell advertising, I'll give you the print job." Uh, and they said, "All right, that's that's good enough." Um, so I, they printed 50, page, 50 uh, copies of this six-page sample guide, and it had. It had like a front cover and it had a few listings of a few good bars in there and a few other cool places. Um, And I had a little bit about what the guide would look like if it existed. And I used that little sample book to go and uh, to go and sell to these different businesses around Adelaide. And uh, that was uh, that was enough. I I managed to get enough advertising in that first year to cover the print run. and at the same time, I met up with my co-founder, Sam, who, who knew how to use Photoshop and InDesign. And uh, we managed to, to make something. Didn't make, a lot, didn't make any money. <laughs> we made about $3,000 each in about six months of work. Um, <laughs> it, was not, it was so much work. But um, yeah, we got something out. And I think that's it. You've got you to get something out the door before people know what it really is. It's very Seth Godin of you. Very like ship, ship, ship. Turn an idea <laughs> into reality. Uh, <laughs> Mixed with, I don't know if anyone's ever described you as the intersection between Godin and Branson before, but I'm about to. It's very like negotiating the planes from Boeing and if the business fails, you return them at no cost for you to go in and say, you know, I want these free magazines and if they don't sell, you know, take a risk. But if they do, I'll be coming back. Well, yeah, you you always got to look for the win-win and everything. So I think that's a good, it's a good thing. I'm I'm proud of that moment. (laughs) I bet. And isn't it, not to overlook, it really is something that keeps impressing me when I speak to Aussie founders and as they've built up businesses, I'm always interested in that first step because so often they've got a helping hand from somebody who just call it luck or call it grace or call it just 
good fortune or kindness, but the fact that you had a next door neighbor who had in themselves the empathy and emotional intelligence to go and create a guide and take that leap of faith for elderly people such that when you have this idea, you just happen to be next door. Like, isn't that just the weirdest little mm. chink in the universe that that happened? Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I've never, I, I, to this day, I, I really don't know if I, this business would have ever happened without that little bit of luck at the start. But then again, I do think if, if you're not ready to accept and go after those little bits of luck when they present themselves, then, uh, then you may never get where you want to go anyway. So you really got to have the mindset there to, 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 to look and appreciate that this is an opportunity that I need to make the most of. Yeah, most definitely. And you'd obviously done the preparation and had that personal experience of going overseas and then coming back and feeling like things were a little bit different um, mm. that, you could that you could relate. So talk to me a little bit about Insider Guides. I'd love to know, you've been just over 11 years with Insider Guides now. Uh, I was combing through the websites. I downloaded a few of them. I'm sure I subscribe to all of your email lists. Um, you're in Sydney, you're in Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, Canberra, Tasmania. You publish in Chinese and Vietnamese as well. Of all the, and I read one, um, flick through cover to cover, 120, 130 pages, enormous, these guides. What are the topics that you find most interesting to uh, to write about or get your team to write about? And what topics do you think really resonate with international students? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, when I, well, a little bit, of, little bit of a background, we started these guides um, basically to, to help international students understand how to engage with their city on their terms. So we were talking about um, some of the survival aspects, so accommodation, bank accounts, insurance, employment, volunteering, things like that. Uh, but then it goes into the fun stuff like nightlife, adventure, shopping. And, and we try and really delve into the, the local experience and, and try and look at the, that city from the perspective of someone who's been living there for a while and that it's almost like giving them a gift of, of you may not know that, that down this street and talk to this guy or, or have a chat to this person or, or visit this shop and you'll have this unique experience and trying to do things that you wouldn't normally get, a student would not normally see. So I guess the, the, the things that students really want, it, they have this these have this sort of a hierarchy of needs. When they first arrive, they have a different set of needs to when they're, to when they're three, four, five months down the track. But when they first arrive, you know, they need a, a bank account, a SIM card. Uh, they need to understand the public transport, uh, so, um, the, the public transport system, um, a, a few basic things like that. But then a month later, they may be looking for a job and they may be um, having their first interaction with a potential employer and uh, and that's when things like employment rights come in and that's something that i find really challenging mainly because a lot of international students are not treated well in this country by employers they um they're massively exploited and uh and that's something that i'm i'm really proud to partner with the fair work ombudsman in that respect and, and really try and help help international students understand how much they're actually worth and how much uh, and, and what their rights are um, and then, and then we re, we're also really proud of the fun stuff. You know, we started this guide to not be a survival guide. We wanted it to be different. So we're really proud of the fact that 
that a student who's been living in Shanghai their whole, whole life will now understand what a flat white is when they first go to an Australian coffee shop and just things like that. You know, that's something that a lot of students just wouldn't know. They didn't even know they needed to know. And then they get here and then they, they find out that this is actually a bit harder than, than it looks. And um, so we're really proud of the sort of fun content as well. But that's not necessarily what students are looking for. That's what we present to them and they, they tend to love it. And isn't that interesting? Like you don't know what you don't know. So if you come to a country, you have no idea that you don't know what a flat white is if you've never heard of a flat white. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's the magic of, and I've spent a couple of years traveling as well and had a very brief and failed career as trying to start my own tour guiding company um, once, which was a whole other story. But <laughs> the, I think the secret of a great guide is someone who you'd never think to go in that shop and then you go in and they open the fridge and you walk through and there's a bar out the back and you'd never even think, oh, I'm going to go around and look for the hidden bars or I'm going to look for the best coffee in this area. You never know that that was special. Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned the fun stuff and the flat white. My partner's uh, mother's actually here at the moment. They're both from Canada. And we just spent a couple of days in Tasmania and we're trying to figure out how she likes her coffee. She'll kill me for saying this. But I think the first coffee she ordered in a cafe was like a wet cappuccino or something. <laughs> and my partner and I looked at each other and we like didn't want to say anything. We're like, well, I've got no idea what a wet cappuccino is. Anyway, the waitress had no idea either. And we all had a little bit of a laugh about it. And then we were explaining, trying to explain what the different sorts of coffee are. So different in North America, you know, you just order a coffee. And as I was going through your guide, I was looking through the Melbourne guide from 2018. There's a page with six different sorts of coffee and a layered guide explaining how much milk, how much froth. I think it was blue for the hot water in the in the long black. And I screenshot it and sent it to her. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. We need to show your mum. So it's so funny that like that's the example that you bring up because it's exactly yeah. the thing that I pulled from it. It was like, you know, I don't even think I could explain this. And I've, you know, in Australia 25 years after <laughs> my 27. <laughs> well, let's see. It's just it's just one of one example of of the kind of things that students face. I mean, I was, I was having a, a drink with an international student and uh, she ordered a, what she thought was a rose tea that came out of a big glass of rosé. She doesn't oh, wow. drink. And she's, uh, she's like, what is this? I'm like, oh man, I, I should have known. <laughs> uh, it's all right. But these, that's just, just what, kind of why we do what we do, I guess. Mm. One of the things, one of the other things I found that I, I personally found really rewarding, and I actually think that I'm surprised I've never seen it before. I thought it was a great tool you had something, I think it was called the Living Cost Calculator mm. embedded in your website. Can you tell me a little bit about where that came from and what that does? Uh, yeah, I mean, I started this a few years ago um, because I just noticed that the, um, I think it was Austrade had some amount on their website. Um, international students needed to prove that they could afford, I think it was $18,610 a year in annual expenses if they could, if they could prove that they could afford that amount that's one of the conditions of getting a student visa at the time. Mm. And I just thought to myself, that's, that doesn't really make sense because every student's different. Um, so we just developed a little calculator uh, based on a set of assumptions. Um, and now, yeah, a student can, can jump onto this calculator on their website, uh, give us an indication of the way they want to live their life, uh, certain decisions, like choices such as accommodation and whereabouts they want to live and, um, and the kind of, things they'll spend money on uh, you don't actually have to know the amounts you just have to give us an indicator based on like a scale and then um and then we'll, we'll take we'll, we'll say all right based on what you've told us we think you your life will cost 
you know, $680 in Sydney, but it may cost $510 if you live that same kind of life in Adelaide um, or something like that. And, and, and that's actually proven to be very popular because for the first time in this sector, uh, students have given a bit more transparency around costs in Australia. And that's, I believe it's like the first or second uh, main decision-making factor uh, when choosing to study abroad is, is how much will my life cost. So, wow. I think that's just something that would be really powerful for all young people to use as well. I went through and I used the tool and I did it for Melbourne and I clicked right through. I loved that you didn't actually have to enter amounts. It takes the intimidation out of it because if you don't know the currency, you're not really sure, but you can say things like, okay, out of seven days a week, how many breakfasts do you intend to buy out? And if you say six, well, it's like avocado on toast cost $106 in Australia. So you're going to need another loan. <laughs> uh, but you could, I love that you could vary it. You could say with clothes, like how many new items of clothing do you, do you buy per month? And how many times do you go to the theatre or to the movies? And it was so – I had fun using it. It was oh, so intuitive cool. and so simple and something that I think is a really powerful tool given where we know – Australians are with their own ability to save and um, understand their expenses. Um, oh, that's great. Glad you I got this out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and I think maybe the reason it resonated with me, I met with a student the other day and before we started recording, I was talking a little bit about some of the student groups I'm working with. And I met with this one student and he was struggling with his finances, a conversation I'm sure you've probably had oh, 10,000 times uh, over the last 11 years. And he, he was really struggling and he was saying to me that what he attributed it to was when he came over to Australia, when he applied and went through his agent, their expectation, what they said to him that he would actually need in Australia was far, 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 far less than what he did need. So he came over and expenses in versus expenses out. He burnt through his savings quite quickly and now he's in quite a bind where he's like, he can't actually afford the last year of his degree. Uh, he has a partner now. Um, he's paid, you know, the whole year's worth of rent. And a tool like this before he could come over would have just been so so helpful as something to grab onto. Mm, yeah, and, and I think pre, there's, a, there's a whole gap in the pre-departure stage of the journey. Uh, and I do think there's, there's room to improve. Certainly we're trying to do that, but um, yeah, as a sector, as a whole, uh, improving pre-departure information is something that is needed. And also just cleaning up the regulations around agents um, you know some of these agents are telling these students some pretty misleading illegal things so yeah it's not good. yeah and it's interesting isn't it I mean I was reading through and maybe if we segue into your work with the International Education Association of Australia it's reading through the website and some of the stats there was a great infographic on there really breaking down um, international education from an economic standpoint education third largest export to Australia, $30.3 billion, supporting 130,000 jobs, which are all great things. Trouble was, I also found an article in the Australian Financial Review that was only published a couple of weeks ago that said, was talking about the recycling, quote unquote, of overseas students for commissions from agents. What do you see as key challenges? Students are coming and they don't really know what to expect. They might not know if they're speaking to a a reputable agent or if they're speaking to someone you know more, more new to the game maybe not to assume they're intentionally doing anything wrong what do you think the challenge is there and how could how could students prepare themselves before they come look that is a really tough question because the the 
there are just so many agents out there and it's extremely difficult to know from a student's perspective which ones are credible, which ones are authentic, which ones are telling the truth, and then which ones are, are sort of changing their information depending on the commission they may get from a certain university or a certain provider. You know, they there may be a student who is well suited to study in Perth, but they may get a better commission sending a student to Adelaide or Melbourne or something like that. So they'll push that student there and it's not exactly what the student wants or, or needs. Uh, and yeah, I mean, from a student's perspective, that is extremely hard to do. I think the, the, the really the only thing they can do um, is make sure they go through an agent that has is um, that is registered uh, with the Australian government that is re that is aligned with the with um, with a range of universities has a good good reputation, and uh, and do their own research as well because um, if you do your own research and you you do go directly to universities, they'll give you lots of good information, uh, and then uh, you can take that to an agent and say you know this is what I found, this is what I want to do, and this agent can help you do that. So, um, yeah, it's just about stacking the odds in your favour a little bit. James, someone who's not only published published guides in cities all over Australia, I now see that only a couple of weeks ago you're launching into a YouTube world. <laughs> and I watched a couple of, it's you face to the camera, like the classic, yeah. I love that you've got that like week one hustle of the entrepreneur of like, I'm onto YouTube, I'm filming the videos myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You face to camera, helping students understand where to buy a bicycle or how to mm. get a job, how to write a cover letter. What's prompted you to move into the YouTube or the video space and what's your plan there? Oh, look, it's just um, as a media company, it's sort of what we are now, I guess. Uh, it's just something that, that, that students, uh, video is huge. And, uh, you know, we, we have the data on, on what topics are of interest to international students um, through our cost of living calculator, through our website. And, uh, you know, we, we already speak to a lot of students and we sort of have a good, good feel for what they want. So this is just a way of, of increasing the reach. And, um, yeah, we... It's it's funny, you know. It's a it's a new world of, of video. We're, we're learning as we go. Um, it's a, it's a slow process, but uh, I think it's a matter of just uh, being in a being in a few channels and and as an entrepreneur, you know, you got to see you got to try it out for a while and see what sticks. It's, it's a matter of that. <laughs> Definitely, and I think it's something that li I living in Melbourne myself. When I'm working with lots of international students, when I'm at events or I'm on the tram or on the train, and everyone's looking down at their phone, and screens are as big as as big as computers now almost, so they can watch something in definition, they can read the words and the subtitles on the screen. I think it makes sense to connect on that platform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to be really respectful and thankful of your time. So I know we're closing in on half an hour. For anyone interested in international education, and one of the things I want to maybe caveat this question with is, you and I are not international students yet. We're having a conversation about international students. So, but you've obviously made such an enormous impact. The stats, the fact that you've reached something like 70% of students who are new arrivals is absolutely incredible. So what do you think domestic students, or what advice might you give domestic students who see challenges and opportunities in working with the international student market? Um, what advice would you give them to help them get involved and make the changes that they want to see? Well, it depends on 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 the value they see. I mean, it, it, if if a, if a local student wants to engage with an international student, uh, 
I mean, do, do, do you mean in terms of building a business or do you mean in terms of uh, building a network? I think either. And I, I'd also maybe even make the argument that I think they're so intrinsically linked. I think what, what both you and I have done with the work we're doing is, um, is all about bringing people together and providing a lot of value and a lot of free value. Um, so if you were to, for instance, if you were theoretically to go back to your old university, University of South Australia, <laughs> and you would walk in and there were 100, 100 domestic students in a class and you gave the best keynote they've ever heard and they're like stomping their feet and they're jumping up and down. It's like a Tony Robbins event. James, James, James. And <laughs> there's someone would put their hand up and say, James, I'm, I'm a domestic student. I don't feel like I can do anything to help international students. What, yes. would, you, what would you say to them? Um, well, I think the main problem that international, or one, one of the main issues that international students raise when they leave Australia is that they wish they made more local student friends, uh, and and uh, that's widely um, that's widely discovered and, and, and documented. But um, I think the big thing that a local student can do is is reach out to an international student, make a connection there, and uh, and understand that that you know it's funny. We as locals, you know, we travel around the world looking for these international experiences, but but sometimes these amazing people have come all the way from around the world to study at your institution. It's about opening, opening your heart, opening 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 up, and saying, "Look, guys, I've, you know, I'm 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 a local. Uh, let's let's have a chat. Let's let's grab a coffee." And look, only really good can come from it. Um, and I think that's something that's a first start. And then in terms of starting a business is sort of what I did at university. I, I do think it's, it's um, you don't have to start in the international student sector, of course, um, but really as a, I, I think it's just important to, 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 to try a lot of things when you've got nothing to lose. Um, when you're at university, uh, you, really, you really don't have a lot to lose by just, just thinking of a business idea, getting a few business cards printed, maybe, bringing an international student along for the ride and, and trying something out. Um, you know, uh, only good can come from that as well, really. <laughs> and if they were to come to you for advice, you'd probably tell them to negotiate to get those business cards for free, right? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. James, I think that that's seems like a perfect arc um, to finish on. If anyone's interested in learning more about insider guides or following the work that you're doing, where would you recommend people go? Yeah, um, so certainly head to insiderguides.com.au if you're interested in, in, in learning about uh, uh, or learning some information that, that, that might uh, help you as an international student. Or uh, if you want to um, just learn more about how to talk to international students, feel free to, for, to email me. Um, yeah, and that's, that'd be great. That's amazing. James, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks so much for your time. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. How unreal was James? absolutely loved having him on the show and I hope you got a lot of value out of it. One of my favorite quotes from James was, when you're at university, you don't really have a lot to lose by just thinking of a business idea, getting a few business cards printed, maybe bringing an international student along for the ride. If you got value out of this episode, please let us know. Reach out to me by typing Josh Farr into LinkedIn or check out the website at www.campusconsultancy.org. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next time.